do need to worry about influenza as well. And so everyone should get vaccinated. There is every likelihood that there will be more influenza this year than in the past. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we brought you a weekly podcast debunking misinformation and sharing best practices from two of the world's leading infectious disease experts, Drs. Bill Lang and Fred Southwick. The pandemic raised people's awareness of infectious diseases and also their hunger for information about emerging diseases. So this podcast is looking beyond COVID to update you on the new and the next emerging infectious diseases and what businesses and individuals should know. On today's podcast, our host David Lawrence talks with Dr. Bill Lang and Dr. Fred Southwick about what could be an intense flu season in the United States, about what's teeing up to be an intense flu season in the United States. Fred and Bill, once again, uh, thank you for spending some time with us uh, to give an update on uh, COVID and a bit on polio and monkeypox. And Fred, I know you've uh, been in the middle of... uh, the most recent hurricane to hit. So um, glad you're safe and well, and uh, the hospital is functioning. Why don't we start, um, Bill, I know you have an update from uh, sort of globally and from Europe in particular in terms of uh, COVID data, which I think may be relevant to our uh, listeners in terms of uh, an increase in the rates and what that might portend uh, for the United States. So let's start with you. Sure. I'll, this is Bill, and I'll give some update on where things stand with the, the epidemiology, because COVID is, in fact, not over. Um, they're in parts of the world, most most notably Europe. They're starting to see this fall increase in case rates that has been predicted all summer. Now, importantly, while there is a small increase in hospitalizations, there doesn't seem, at least yet, to be any significant increase in uh, in deaths. Um, now, of course, deaths are a trailing indicator, so it's possible we'll see, see that up a little bit. But as we look at the United States, um, we are not, at least not yet, seeing any increase. In fact, in the last week, um, as weather has started getting chilly across mo- most of the northern tier especially, cases are still going down. Down Cases are down 14% of the last week. Uh, hospitalizations are down. Uh, deaths are up, although it seems to be the deaths being up seems to be a statistical anomaly with the way some states are reporting deaths. Um, but deaths at best are flat in the United States. So as we look at Europe and people are asking why are cases going back up in Europe, and it just appears to be what everyone had predicted through the summer, is that as people are driven indoors by colder weather in the fall, we will start to see uh, cases going up. Uh, notably, it does not appear to be driven by new variants, although there are two variants, uh, minor variants that people are watching, and that's BQ1.1 and BA2.75.2. These don't seem to be driving the increase in rates. They are just, they are variants that are being watched. Um, and, but neither of them seem to have the legs to, to displace BA4 and BA5. So this, this, these don't appear right now to be the variants that people fear could happen at some point in the future. Um, but domestically in the United States, cases are down 14% in the last week. The deaths are pretty much flat at around 400 deaths a day, which is notably almost exactly the same rate 
as deaths due to flu in the midst of a bad flu season. So it's not that far off. It's just that it's been at this rate for, for you know, as we know, for many, many, many weeks. Um, but hospitalizations in the U.S. are still down. So, so far we're doing pretty well in the, in the U.S. And then looking around the rest of the world, with the exception of Europe, cases are going down everywhere. Even the places in uh, Asia, notably um, Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan, that kept cases, case rates stud, stubbornly up over the summer, they are now coming down also. So the only area of concern is Northern Europe right now. And primarily in Europe, it's, it's Germany, a little bit of France and Austria are the places that are having uh, significant issues. The UK continues to do pretty well. Uh, cases are flat, but uh, hospitalizations are up a bit. So people are watching that carefully um, in, in California. That's the that's the size the size and where things are with COVID around the world. Yeah, Bill. Uh, one insight that is helpful is Florida. We always have had the surges in the mid summer because that's when everybody is inside. It's too hot to go outside, and that's exactly what happened. I just reviewed the data for our hospital, and when the peak. A uh, number of cases admissions was in the summer and it was mid-August and now it's coming down as we go outside. So Florida uh, has its winter where you stay inside is the hot summer and we're outside during the winter while all the other parts of the country, the northern parts of the country, go inside and so it's very likely what's happening in Europe will happen in the U.S. Uh, during the thank, probably around Thanksgiving, and we're going to see a, another peak uh, if we don't uh, use masks and try to keep our large gatherings to a small number. And also, the other very helpful thing that we've been doing with gatherings of ten, or ten to twelve, is everybody does an antigen test the day before uh, the meeting, and if that's negative, then we can all feel secure too. And a lot of the organizations that I work with are still doing the uh, antigen testing um, before before large gatherings. Um, we did we found that it was fairly reproducible that when you know, executive committees, for example, would start getting back together because they hadn't met in person in uh, in two years, and it was about ten percent would get COVID. Um, rarely did we see anybody sick. Uh, the the effect of vaccination has has kept people from getting sick, and then the availability of uh, of Paxlovid has really made a difference. If people do in fact catch it, they're not getting that sick. So I'm not seeing COVID as that's really hitting people hard, except of course you know, nursing homes and people who are, are compromised in other ways. Can I just can I just uh, jump in, jump in? What the takeaway here? seems to be is that it's indoors that where people are most at risk, indoors with group gatherings. Is that a fair statement? Yes, but it's significantly more than half of transmissions are felt to happen in the home. So that gives you an idea. It's, it's in the home where people are close. All right. And uh, what's interesting as New York City begins to open up, I've been at various meetings 
more and more buildings are posting air quality um, data as you walk into the lobby. And I, I wish I should have taken notes, Fred and Bill, but uh, basically these are, uh, it, you know, it's sort of automatic updated signage uh, that indicates uh, air quality, talks about industry standards. And I think, you know, one had to do with the quality of the air, the other had to do with the circulation. And then there was a third metric. And so if you were giving advice to leading companies, um, it, it sounds to me, I'm all, you know, that the quality of air and air circulation within the offices uh, is critical here. Well, David, what you're just saying is that the the Swiss cheese approach that we've advocated in many of these uh, discussions previously is exactly what people need to do. It's And importantly, this doesn't just apply to COVID-19, but it applies to flu just as well. Um, now, flu may be more fomite, meaning it's the surfaces you got to worry about more so, a little bit more so than aerosol. And COVID-19 is more aerosol than it is fomites. But in either event, applying this Swiss cheese layered defense and the, layer, the layers of the defense are having as high a vaccination rate in your attendees or, or people in the office as, as possible, trying to maximize uh, social distancing so that you are minimizing the density of people in any given space. Basically, basically all that means is spread out, be in a big room. Um, and that, uh, see, I said vaccinations, um, and then air exchanges per hour in the locations where you are. And basically what that means is making sure the HVAC systems in any indoor space are operating at peak effectiveness and efficiency. Um, those are the, the key parts of the layers of defense against COVID and the defense against against influenza. Remember that many have predicted that this is going, this could be one of the worst influenza seasons that we've had in many years. Those are based on the the fact that there hasn't been much circulating flu, so everybody is relatively um, their their immunity against flu is relatively down because they haven't been exposed, and also on the data that flu in Australia and New Zealand was the worst that they've seen in five to ten years. So we really do need to be putting this layered defense in place for both COVID and influenza over this year's cold and flu. Fred, I assume you would uh, be in support of precisely the continued approach here and controlling what we can control. Yes, and, and I think, uh, as Bill emphasized, we do need to worry about influenza as well. And so everyone should get vaccinated. And this is about the right time in the next uh, several weeks to be, become vaccinated because there is every likelihood that there will be more influenza this year than in, pa in the past. Yeah. As of this week, the, the the influenza rates are the lowest that they have been in 12 months. But there's just a lot of, of indicators that this has the potential to be a bad season. Now, if everybody, if we get a higher than normal flu vaccination rate because people are marketing it, because organizations are getting involved and encouraging their employees to get vaccinated, Maybe we can dodge that one, but if we're not careful, it does have the potential to be a pretty bad season. Um, let me just add to that, and you guys are 
more on top of the numbers. I saw some data around uh, booster vaccination for COVID and also for influenza. They look pretty low in terms of the vaccination rates to date. Uh, do you have any perspective on that? Well, I, I can comment. The, um, the problem is uh, I think everybody has COVID fatigue and the disinformation is still around. The anti-vaccination is still around, uh, probably not to the degree it was before, but uh, certainly the newest, the we call it the bivalent uh, COVID vaccine, which has the original virus plus, I think it's the BA2, um, parts of the BA2 spike protein, um, is very effective and will reduce symptomatic disease and is highly likely to prevent uh, hospitalization. So uh, even just just keep getting the boosters, just like we got the influenza vaccine. And I don't know why we're so fatigued over this vaccine when we I think everybody accepted that you had an annual needed an annual influenza vaccine. I think what's going to happen will probably need an annual COVID-19 vaccine as well. But, but what is concerning is that in the United States, less than 65% of eligible people have been vaccinated, have had their initial vaccination. So what's interesting is when you look at vaccine rates in the United States, only 65% of eligible Americans have have received just the basic vaccination. And then less than 50% of those who would be eligible for a booster have received a booster. And then only 4.4 million, well, actually, it's probably a little bit higher, 4.6 million people have received the uh, bivalent booster that Fred was just talking about. So we have uh, compared that to Canada, which I don't have the full data on Canada, but 84% of eligible Canadians have had a boost, have had the initial uh, COVID vaccination. So we're really not doing that great in terms of getting people vaccinated. Yeah, I, 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 I have a sense that the will is just not there. And I don't know how we get uh, encourage people. I mean, 400 deaths per, per day is nothing to sneeze about. And uh, so that's predominantly is people that are unvaccinated or the elderly who've come in contact with the Omicron, one of the Omicron variants. That's actually bringing up a, a somewhat controversial area right now is the long-term value of boosters. And it's because most deaths are occurring in people who are not vaccinated at all. What boosters are appearing to do is just decrease your chance for roughly four to six months of catching COVID. But they're not... Beyond that four to six months, they don't seem to have any um, significant long-term decrease in the relative risk of serious disease or death. But still, for, for four to six months, it does decrease your risk. So um, I'm still in favor of boosters. I'm still, I'm still going to get boosters when I'm, when I'm eligible for them because I don't want to get COVID at all. It's, you know, it's, it, most people do fine, but unpredictably, even um, you know, younger, healthy people uh, can get pretty sick. And I don't, I don't want get, to get sick myself. So I'm still in favor of boosters because the safety profile is so high. Yeah, I got the booster uh, last week. Uh, so obviously, I feel very strongly you should get it. 
And the other element we've, we've talked about before is this long haul syndrome, the, the chronic fatigue and what really bothers people, and I've talked to several people who've had it, is this brain fog where they just aren't as alert, they can't concentrate, their recent memory is not as good. And there's evidence by MRI uh, imaging that there is actual uh, damage to the brain when you develop, uh, when you get a uh, COVID and it doesn't seem to correlate necessarily with the severity of the uh, infection. There are many reasons why people should stay compliant. Um, let me quickly pivot in the last few minutes that we have uh, because as we've changed the podcast to Beyond COVID, um, polio, monkeypox also continue to be in the headlines um, here in New York State. You know, there have been declared emergencies on both levels. What can you share uh, with the audience in terms of how to think about this and what the data is saying? Well, I'll do monkeypox real quickly. Um, unless you are in the very now very well-known at-risk groups, monkeypox is not a concern. Um, it's not a concern for corporations. Um, you, we still, people who are in, in an at-risk group um, need to take appropriate precautions, need to get vaccinated, but other people, it's not an issue. So we can put that one aside. Um, polio, that's, the polio is still not a huge concern. I, I, Fred, do you want to take the polio? Well, I, I, not, there's really not a lot to say yet there. It's, it's hiding in the background. We've seen it in some uh, sewage analysis has picked up uh, uh, some uh, polio. And it, it is an enterovirus, and it, uh, it's transmitted predominantly by, through water, through contact, uh, rather than as much respiratory. And so it, 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 it is always a worry. Polio, we really don't want that to come back. And then we do have a significant population that has not received the polio vaccine because the disease was felt to be eliminated. But uh, unfortunately, it did. Uh, there are small pockets in, in, I believe it was Africa. Bill, you can comment on that. But it's never completely been eradicated, unfortunately. Well, and that's it. Where you have to worry about it is where you have these pockets of large numbers of people who are not vaccinated. Um, polio, because most people um, in the developed world especially are effectively vaccinated against polio and the vaccine is effective, um, the, the instance of, of paralytic polio is very, very, very low. Um, but if you've got a pocket where you've got a large number of people who, for whatever um, religious or social reasons, decide not to get vaccinated, it's actually very possible for uh, polio to get a foothold and to spread through that population. And that's what the fear was in, in two major areas of New York State, that that was going to happen. Fortunately, it has not yet, it has not taken off, although Polio, flu, polio is uh, demonstrated to be circulating as they can check the sewage water and see, see polio um, virus in the sewage. Fred and Bill, thank you, as always, for keeping us up to date with, um, with information that's both clear and uh, based on the data, evidence-based. Uh, we'll reconvene uh, 
in three weeks. I know you'll be monitoring a number of things and look forward to keeping people posted on some important topics. Uh, I will note in closing the Council of Foreign Relations um, has convened a group and I've been part of um, some of the sessions about preparing for the next pandemic, uh, which is interesting. I'm glad, you know, there is such a group working on this, very smart people. Uh, but look forward to talking about additional topics uh, that we think will be relevant as part of enterprise risk. So thanks again. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Dr. Fred Southwick is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Bill Lang is an expert in public health responses to biological incidents. David Lawrence is the founder of RAIN. RAIN is a risk intelligence company that provides access to critical insights, analysis, and support to ensure business continuity and resiliency for our members. Learn more about RAIN's market-leading risk intelligence products at RAINnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E-Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.